This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring, but don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Family Secrets is a production of iHeartRadio. I grew up in central Pennsylvania in a very small farming town with parents who had both grown up in working class families and had gone to college and they were like sort of the local intelligentsia. They were very cultured. They spent a little bit of time away from the small town. My mother lived in New York for a while. My father went to Europe during his army service, but then they both came back to this little town and just stayed there and raised me and my two younger brothers, surrounded by my father's family. My father ran the local funeral home we didn't live in the funeral home, but it was just up the street where my grandmother lived. And his sisters lived on the same street. His brother lived nearby. It was just this whole clan of Bechtels. And the funeral home itself was a family business. Several generations of Bechtels had run it. And we lived in this little town between the Allegheny Plateau and the Bald Eagle Mountain. I feel like that, that topography is somehow significant like it was sort of a a rift between this plateau these big empty mountains where nobody lived and where they were strip mining for coal all the time and then this ridge and valley region of pennsylvania which if you look at maps are these really tidy ranges of mountains that move off to the east and we were right on the edge of that right between those two features 
That's the extraordinary graphic memoirist Alison Bechtel. You may have heard of Alison's memoirs Fun Home and Are You My Mother, as well as her recently released The Secret to Superhuman Strength. Alison's story revolves around a secret that began well before she was born, one that was always kept from her, and yet, in the light of retrospect, seems to always have been hiding in plain sight. But she didn't see it. Of course she didn't see it. We never do. If a secret is embedded into our childhoods, it becomes our reality, because that's how we survive, we inheritors of shame and silence, until survival means knowing the truth, rather than living in a lie. I'm Danny Shapiro, and this is Family Secrets. The secrets that are kept from us, the secrets we keep from others, and the secrets we keep from ourselves. I'm so interested in the way you described your parents as, you know, sort of the local intelligentsia. It has sort of little echoes of Revolutionary Road, (laughs) the Richard Yates novel. Yeah, I've always been curious, like, why did they stay there? I myself was desperate to get out of that place. And both my parents loved going to New York. They'd go make the four-hour drive to New York to go to the theater and museums. So why... Why were they living in this place that was really cut off from all that? I still don't know. I don't know anything. The older I get, the less I know, especially about my parents. But one thing was my my father's father had a heart attack and needed my dad to run this family business. So my father did that. He came home from Germany where he was in the army, where my when, where my mother had just gone to meet him and get married and they were very excited to start this life in Europe together and travel around after he was done with his stint. But instead they came home and stayed there. But they were both just passionately interested in different kinds of art and literature. They both loved poetry. They met in a play. My mother was a more serious actor than my father, but they both acted in college. And my mom went on to do an internship at at the Cleveland Playhouse. And she continued to act in summer stock all through my childhood and beyond. And my dad, although his day job was teaching in a high school and running this funeral home, his real passion was for antiques and for restoring our old Victorian house. This was a really unusual house. I mean, it seems like it became more unusual and more unusual as your father sort of had his, his way with it. Yeah, <laughs> this was his real love in his life was restoring this house. Um, it was built probably in the 1860s, um, a big American Gothic house that was all decrepit by the time my parents bought it in the 1960s. Talk about the library. The library was amazing. I mean, who has a library in their house? But we did, like a real library with floor to ceiling glassed-in bookshelves, um, a lot, lots of, you know, calf-bound antique books, as well as plenty of new books, just a wall of books that people were just struck dumb by. They would 
always ask my father if he'd read all of those books. He would always say he's read most of them. There were velvet drapes, there was flocked wallpaper. There was a, another floor to ceiling feature, this giant pier mirror that was like 12 feet tall. It was a very grand, beautiful Victorian library. And your father did all this himself. This was a passion of his. Yeah, he did. And um, it wasn't cheesy. You know, a lot of people do that sort of thing on their own. And it just looks like a, I don't know, like a bad B&B or a Laura Ashley explosion. But no, it was very tasteful. And, you know, he studied a lot. He got lots of magazines and journals. And he knew a lot about this specific period. And he was always collecting stuff, discovering stuff, talking to old people, and it was beautiful. So how would you characterize, from like Allison and the child's point of view, your parents' marriage during those childhood years and maybe sort of into your teenage years? My parents fought a lot, but I didn't, you know, I didn't really think about their marriage. I mean, who really thinks about their parents' marriage? It's the air that you breathe. And I I was surprised later when my mother would describe to me, oh, that was when your father wasn't speaking to me for three months. Like, I I never noticed that. But apparently he would go for long stretches of sulking and not talking to her. Do you think that has anything to do with, you know, the fact that you had siblings? Like, I ask that as an only child because... I think, for me, I was a student in a way, not of my parents' marriage, because that would have been sort of beyond my comprehension, but of my parents. I really studied them because it's kind of all I all I had as my subject, whereas I wonder if you have siblings, whether you kind of are often in sibling world in a certain way. Yeah, I I wonder if that's true. I was just sort of having a parallel life in the same house. I mean, I was certainly taking them in, but I never thought about their marriage. What was it like to live in in the constant presence of sort of death as a fact? You know, that it just it just was, that there were corpses, there were dead people, there was this funeral home, and there's this moment where a young man has died and your dad calls for you and asks you to come, and it's, you know, there's this naked, hairy, young... <laughs> man with a chest wound lying there, and your dad asks you to hand him a pair of scissors in a very, very matter-of-fact way, and then you very, very matter-of-factly do so. Yeah. I mean, mostly the funeral home was kind of cool. I liked seeing the dead bodies. It was interesting. I felt like I knew something other people didn't know. Like, School friends would be like, oh, my God, you see dead bodies, and what's it like? And I liked being able to just play it cool, you know, and to have this sort of hidden knowledge that other people didn't have. But it's pretty alarming when Allison's dad shows her this young guy's body, which has been opened up for an autopsy. Up until then, she had only seen dead people once they were in their caskets, all dressed up and with their makeup done. So Allison, who's 10, maybe 11 plays it cool. It was traumatic, but there wasn't any allowance for it to be traumatic. So much of Allison's story has to do with what isn't said, what can't be said. There's what people say, like, please pass the scissors, and then there's the subtext. Everything, it seems, can be experienced and discussed. 
everything except for feelings. There's a lot of exchange of, of information, of literature, of poetry, of, you know, many different things, but not feelings, not how did you feel about that? Yeah. And I, you know, only much later did I understand that, that if anyone had talked about their feelings, the whole edifice would have just come crashing down. When you're in high school, you end up in your father's English class. Uh-huh. And it seems like like sort of that's the period of time where you're most able to communicate with each other in a certain way with with the texts between you as like the bridge. Yes. <laughs> my father had always tried to guide my reading. He was always suggesting books and trying to get me to read things that he liked. And I would always resist that. It was like the only way I had to rebel as a child. But when I was in his class, of course, I had to read the books. So it was an interesting situation. And what I found was I really liked them. We read um, Pride and Prejudice that semester and Catcher in the Rye. It was a class on coming of age. (laughs) So it was really so meta, you know. But yeah, we started really bonding and connecting. And, uh, you know, I was one of his better students. He always liked his sharper students. Yeah, I mean, there's a moment in Fun Home where you, or he says to you, you're the only student in the class who is sort of like worth teaching to or something to like that. And then, and you say, but your class is the only class, you know, sort of worth taking. Yeah, yeah, we were a mutual admiration society. Yeah, it was, it was really kind of a tender moment, even though what's happening is that the literature and these coming of age stories and the inner lives of the characters on the page are standing in for anything that might resemble, um, you know, a feeling. Yeah. Well, my my dad, I think, was very eager for a friend. And the older I got, the closer I got to him. He died when I was 19, but we just were on this trajectory of just getting closer and closer and talking more and more. And it was great. I loved it. I loved having that connection with him, although <laughs> later a therapist told me that was probably inappropriate, that he was leaning on me so heavily for connection. We'll be back in a moment with more Family Secrets. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring? 
but don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules Today, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease like many of us you might think identity theft will never happen to you but consider this there's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the u.s that's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of new york los angeles and chicago combined even worse identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Allison goes off to Oberlin College and really begins to come into her own. What this means most deeply and powerfully for her is that she comes out. She knows she's gay. And in the great surge of energy of that realization, she wants to tell her parents immediately. She wants to share it with them. So I wrote them a letter. (laughs) In the grand tradition of my shutdown family, I shared this intimate news with them in a typewritten letter. Sent through the mail, like with a stamp on it. Yes. Um, at that point, I, I hadn't had sex with anyone yet. I, I wasn't really absolutely. I mean, I felt certain that this was true, but it, yeah, it was all s- still somewhat theoretical. And I was just starting to tell like friends and people close to me. So I told my parents and then waited in some trepidation for their response. It should be said, too, because listeners under a certain age, it would be incomprehensible, the idea of... <laughs> Sending a letter. Waiting two days, three days. <laughs> now we write an email and we hit send and we hold our breath. And, you know, we hear back five minutes later. 
Um, yeah, well, I was holding my breath for three or four days. Yeah. My father called me on the phone and I was a little taken aback that it was just him. Even though I was used to talking to him all the time, I thought this was like an important family piece of news I'd broken and that maybe my mother would be in on it too, but she wasn't and wouldn't come to the phone actually as I, as I learned because um, she was so upset. And my dad had this sort of giddy air about him. Like he was sort of excited, like, well, it's, it's good to know that you're human at least. And it felt almost like sort of leering or I don't know, like he was this, I don't know, something paternalistic about it that was annoying to me. And I didn't quite understand why is my dad being so giddy and why is my mother not coming to the phone? <laughs> my mother and I had an, another exchange of hard copy letters before we spoke on the phone. She sent me a very confusing letter saying she wished that I would rethink this lesbian thing and just focus on my work. What was the tone of the letter? Like, what was the emotional tone of it? Well, it was kind of cold and formal, like my mother was with me. It was very articulate, very carefully thought out. And I, re I responded to her letter in kind with a letter. I think I even broke it down into like A, B, C, you know, into sub paragraphs and things, rebutting all the things she was saying. And then following that exchange, she called me. And here's where the real information finally reached me. And, and she told me in this phone conversation that my dad had had affairs with other men over the course of their marriage and some boys, some of his high school students. And I was just completely floored, just blown away. Never, it had never occurred to me. Remember at the beginning when I talked about a secret hiding in plain sight and the way we who have been living in the shadow of that secret can't see what is patently obvious? Allison and I share this, two very different kinds of secrets about our fathers. But what is striking is the way that each of us tucked this knowledge away. I mean, it was obvious that Allison's father was gay. In my case, it was obvious that my father wasn't my biological father. So many of us have that sense when we discover the truth of wanting to smack ourselves upside the head. I mean, my God, how could we not have known? But that's the thing. It was too dangerous, far too dangerous to know. So we just didn't. So you find this out, and it makes, like, no kind of sense and all kinds of sense, in a way? Yeah, I, it immediately, I just began sort of reassembling this puzzle of my life. And, and it I, you actually, you used that metaphor, too, I think, but I've always thought of it that way. I mean, it was just so very strange that I had stumbled onto their deep, dark secret in my, you know, in my youthful naivete, just thinking, oh, this is, I'm a lesbian, I'm going to tell everyone, I'm going to be open and above board about this. I had no idea what, what I was triggering. You saw your father only a few times from the time that those conversations and that letter-writing campaign was happening in, until he died. Yes. Once he, he came, he stopped at my school briefly and I saw him. And then I came home for spring break and spent a week. There was another time. I came home 
at the end of the school year, very briefly, and brought my girlfriend that time. Yeah, and so he met my girlfriend, and my mother met my girlfriend. And it was all very stressful. Did you have further conversations with him? What, you know, was there sort of beyond that initial, you know, oh, I'm so glad you're human kind of conversation? Some of it happened, again, in this epistolary format via letters. I have these treasured letters that my dad sent me during that time, although they were all quite cryptic and increasingly not making a lot of sense. We had one conversation about it, which was during the spring break that I was home and he and I went out to the movies one night and I was determined to bring it up and to make him talk about it. It was very, one of the most, you know, frightening things I've had to do. I tried to think of a way that I could get in and it, it he had given me a, a copy of Colette's memoirs at Christmas time. And so I used that book and I said, did you know what you were doing when you gave me that book? Because of course there's a whole long scene in her memoirs about her, the, the lesbian subculture of Paris, which I found quite riveting. And he said, no, he hadn't really thought about it, but it was the, it was an opening and I'd gotten in and we just had this short conversation until we got to the movie theater, but he opened up to me and he said, well, here's another interesting thing. When, when my mother called me on the phone to tell me this shattering information, she explained it that my father had been molested when he was young, when he was 14. And on this night that my dad and I were talking, he described to me this incident with this older man on the farm where he grew up. I don't think he used the word molested, but I'm not sure how he would have said it. But he described it as a, as a pleasurable encounter and described this man as quite attractive. With me, it was a positive experience. With my mother, it was an excuse for why he had turned out this way. But clearly, I could see how deeply ashamed my dad was of all this. It was really painful for him to talk about it with me. But he did. At one point when she's home, Allison and her dad have a really uncomfortable conversation. She pushes hard for it. She needs to talk with him about his sexuality and hers. She broaches the subject in a car on their way to the movies. Moving cars are such great places for these scary conversations, I find. No one can escape. The conversation isn't exactly satisfying, but still it's something. Then she's back at school, and she receives the worst kind of news. Terrible news. Her dad has been hit by a truck. Her dad is dead. One of your responses, and it's it's such an incredibly human kind of grief response, is, you know, you and your brother have it too. Like, you're laughing. Yeah. It's such an uncomfortable thing. It's like, what do you do? You're not laughing because it's funny. You're laughing because you're expelling something. Yeah. We didn't, oh my God. You know, I don't know, I can't remember what I even thought. I was, it was a five hour drive away. So I got this news. I was completely traumatized, but not, you know, in my, in the, in the tradition of my family, I, I cried for about half a minute, maybe, maybe 30 seconds. And then I was like, fine. I, I insisted on driving. My girlfriend had a car, but I drove and we both drove five hours home and I can't tell you what I was imagining had happened at that point. I know that that night my mother confided in me that she was pretty sure my father had done this on purpose. And 
And I don't think that that had occurred to me until she said that. It just all seemed so crazy. But everything had been crazy for months. Why do you think she told you that so quickly? Um, I think I was her only confidant. I know that her best friend, to whom she told absolutely everything else, didn't know and wouldn't know for a long time. I think she just needed to tell someone. And when she did tell you that, did that make sense to you? Yes, completely. It felt absolutely right. And I think it consoled us both in some some strange way, because at least it was intentional. And I try to explain this to people, and they look at me like I'm insane, but it somehow seems different for a death to be an accident. That's really terrible. But if someone intended for it to happen, then at least something went right, you know? No, that makes sense to me. It's like, even if it's something that might have passed, it was something that was a choice. I mean, when we started talking, you were, you were saying, I don't remember how you put it, but, you know, the, the older you get, the, the more it's a mystery to you. You know, the more your, par- yeah. the more your parents are a mystery to you. And I, I do think for those of us that keep on thinking about this stuff, either because it's our nature or because it's our circumstances and we have to, um, there's nothing resembling closure or being at a place where it all feels like tucked away. Even and maybe especially when we've written about it, you know, when it's bound between the pages. I know, it keeps evolving and you can't do anything about it. I keep finding out bits of information that completely change my story and I'm like, wait, wait, you can't do that. (laughs) Right, it's a very strange plight because... It really is like you're holding the world still between the covers of a book. You know, the relationship between the you that wrote Fun Home and Fun Home, that's the story. It's the relationship between the self and the story at the moment the story is told. We'll be right back. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring, but don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. 
Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon. Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Allison's book ends up being adapted for the stage, and Fun Home becomes a musical, yes, a musical, that wins the Tony Award in 2015 for Best Musical, among many other accolades. I saw the show when it first ran off-Broadway, and in the stage adaptation, there are three Allisons. An actress plays her as a kid, another actress plays her around the age she was when her father died, and an actress plays the adult Allison who stands off to the side and watches it all unfold. To hear the three Allisons sing together, their voices creating a tapestry of harmony, is to witness a dramatic depiction of wholeness. I've got to admit, there's been part of me that feels almost, you know, guilty or bad pulling you back into <laughs> that time and, you know, and that material because it lives on in, in the pages of your fantastic book. And so it's always finding new readers and it's always sort of newly alive for people. You know, new people are finding it newly alive. And for you, it's something that is, you know, sort of very much like both in the past and not, I guess. Yeah, it has been a bit weird having this part of my life keep sort of bringing itself to the surface over and over again. But that's fine. I can handle it. <laughs> There's a phrase Allison uses, consubstantial paternity, that I actually had to go look up. Consubstantial is defined as of the same substance or essence. We can be genetically linked, consubstantial. But there is another kind of link as well, which is a spiritual link. 
In a beautiful moment, Allison's father and she are discussing James Joyce's Ulysses, since this is the kind of thing they did together. And Allison's dad says, is it so unusual for the two things to coincide? I did find myself thinking, and I suppose it was because of my own story and my own experience, but the idea of having deep and profound spiritual connections, which can or cannot be part of having a consubstantial or genetic connection. And there's this part of your book where you're trying on your father's clothes as as a kid, mm, right? Yeah. And he's trying on women's clothes at the same time, or is it's kind of, there's a lot about, again, in that sort of hiding in plain sight kind of way, all of it. He would buy my mother's clothes for her. And he, and he confided in me that during that one conversation we had that um, he dressed in girls' clothes as a kid when he got a chance. There's this other sentence, um, which is, sexual shame is its own kind of death. And I would love for you to talk about that a little because I think the silencing of the deepest parts of ourselves, either because we live in a way and in a place where it feels like it's out of the question or it will be too mortifying, is so much at the basis of so many of the kinds of secrets that people keep. Yeah. That's the real tragedy of my father is that I feel like with only a little bit of time or a little bit of help or a little bit of being born slightly later or having some slightly different experiences, he might have been able to do that, you know, to confront that. But he just wasn't. He just couldn't do it. And when I talk about sexual shame being a kind of death, I think precisely because our sexuality is, you know, it's it's your literally the core of your vitality. It's what keeps us all reproducing. So to have that stoppered up in some way, you know, I just think of my dad living this sort of half life in this little conservative farm town or a double life, <laughs> half or double, I don't know. At some point after his death, you come across some photos and among them is a photo of Roy, the babysitter, who babysat for you and your brothers in the summer of 69. And there was a trip that your father took you on and Roy was the babysitter. And it's clear that they were involved with each other. And there's this you know, very handsome picture of Roy mixed in with these other family photos. And he had, your father had blotted out or inked out the date on the Roy photo, but he had left it in. These are the mysteries that we're left with, right? Like, yeah. why why did he leave the photograph in with the rest of the photographs, but block out the date? Honestly, Danny, I was like, that's weird. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't go any further with it. I mean, it was literally in an envelope with all the other pictures with the same date stamp on them. So if he really had been concerned, he would have destroyed the freaking photograph, you know? But I think it was, I think I felt like it was his way of saying, look, there's nothing wrong. That's why I have this, this picture right here because it was perfectly open and above board. Yeah, I mean, like what, you know, what, what we're left with in the end, like you write, what's lost in translation is the complexity of loss itself, right? That's one of my favorite lines because what do you do with that? You can't, you don't know, you can't know. You're not going to know. 
And so it just kind of stands as an artifact of that time and of your dad. Yeah. And this was a year after my dad died when I found it. And I suddenly knew when I found that picture that I wanted to tell this story, that it was just too good of a story. I felt guilty about having that feeling too, but it all kind of came to me in a, in a burst in that little photograph. Everything was there, you know. Allison grew up on an artist's colony of sorts. Her dad is in the library exploring his profound connection to literature. Her mom has her work in the theater. And then all the kids are each doing their own artistic thing in their own rooms in this rambling house. It wasn't the artistic life Allison's parents had dreamt of or anticipated. They returned to central Pennsylvania because Allison's dad's dad had had a heart attack. These things happen. Plans get derailed or dreams deferred. But perhaps... Allison's parents found it easier to stay in her dad's hometown, for him to work as a high school teacher as well as in the family business, for them to be the local intelligentsia. What would have happened if they had moved to Greenwich Village? Would their marriage have survived? Would they have stayed together? I feel like the message I got from both my parents was, don't have children. And I, I, I didn't, you know, I took that very seriously. It was like children had put an end to both of their artistic hopes. Um, But I think that was part of the cover. Children aren't necessarily what what gets in the way of an artistic or creative life. It's dishonesty with oneself that gets in the way of, you know, being able to express that life. Yeah, and they had a compact that they were not going to confront the truth of their situation. And then I came along and, you know, threw it down on the floor like a gauntlet. I feel like there was something about that life that served their purposes that kept them from having to really face the real, I don't know. I mean, the the truth is they shouldn't have been married to one another. (laughs) But where does that leave me? Family Secrets is a production of iHeartMedia. Dylan Fagan and Bethann Macaluso are the executive producers. Andrew Howard is our audio editor. If you have a secret you'd like to share, leave us a voicemail, and your story could appear on an upcoming bonus episode. Our number is 1-888-SECRET-0. That's secret and then the number zero. You can also find us on Instagram at Writer. Facebook at facebook.com slash familysecretspod and Twitter at famsecretspod. And if you want to know about my family's secret that inspired this podcast, check out my New York Times bestselling memoir, Inheritance.
For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring, but don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.